Thank you, Brother Ed, and all of you, that have, three men that have uh, worked together to help us worship the Lord together through his music. Thank you. What a joy. Uh, always a joy, aren't they? Always a blessing, and we're thankful for that. We live in an unusual day, do we not? A day like I have never seen in my life. And I don't think any of you have for the most part. Uh, I don't think there's still anybody here today. There may be a few and very few who remember the days of the Great Depression, who remember the days when this country suffered so greatly and folks were starving and jobs were not available and money wasn't worth much and what was here, not very many had it. But since those terrible days of the Great Depression, we've lived rather sumptuously. We've lived for the most part above reproach. We've lived for the most part above the, the problems and the cares of, of many places in the world. We've lived for the most part without uh, any involvement of government in our private lives. We've lived for the most part without anybody telling us what we had to do and needed to do. We, we have not been so invaded by such a sickness as we see uh, with COVID as was true, I guess, since polio. But we've, we're living in that day today. We've never lived in a day when the political system in our nation has appeared to be so corrupt as it is today. And the things that are broadcast out of leadership, the things that are said may or may not be truth, and it doesn't seem to make any difference to the one who broadcasts those statements. We just press on. We just take everything with a stroke of the shoulder and say, well, maybe it'll get better tomorrow. Let me tell you what. It's not going to get better until the people of God do what God asks us to do. To get serious before him. And I want to thank those who came. I was really amazed. We had 30, over 35 here on Wednesday night for a time of prayer. And it was a great time of prayer, and I'm, I'm thankful for those who were here. And I, I, I think it's time that we remember how important it is for us to bring before God our needs, but also bring before him our surrender to his will and acknowledge that his word is truth and that we can rely upon it and we need to live by it and we need to serve him faithfully every day. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of praying that went on concerning those things. And of course, praying for those needs that we brought up. And even needs right here in our own city government and what's been taking place and what could take place in the days ahead. I think back as I looked at what to say today and, and to bring you a message from God's Word I thought back about the days of the Israelites being in bondage in Egypt and the depravities that they faced, the horrible conditions in which they lived, 
having no freedom of their own, but had been overtaken at the death of the Pharaoh that brought them in and provided for them as the kinfolks of Joseph. And they settled there and they grew, and the Bible says they grew exponentially through the years until they were so large that the younger Pharaoh that was now in command realized that there were so many that they could actually overthrow the Egyptian government. And instead of incorporating them and, and trusting, and instead of believing the God that the Israelites served, the Egyptians turned their back on God and refused to believe that they served the living God and put them in bondage. And then God called a man named Moses to come and lead them out of that bondage. He called him equipped him, instructed him, protected him, and worked in his life and through his life in order to give the Israelites the desire of their heart to be freed from those things that bound them, from the government that constrained them and restrained them, and from them being actually imprisoned in, in Egypt and did not have the freedoms of the other citizens of Egypt. And God called a man named Moses who had taken a life of an Egyptian slave master and had escaped because he was thought to be an Egyptian when in reality he was an Israelite, you'll remember. And he went and married a woman and he's working for her dad, his father-in-law, tending his sheep. When God told him he had a work for him to do, he had a message for him to proclaim and a leadership role that he wanted him to fill. And God called him to that in a very unusual way. You'll remember through the burning bush experience, the bush that did not, was not consumed by the flame, and God spoke to him from that burning bush in an audible voice, and even told him he was standing on holy ground to take his shoes off of his feet as he talked to him, for he was before a holy God. And I want to remind you that from that point through the rest of his life, Moses walked before a holy God, talked and listened to a holy God, and was instructed by him and in his obedience, God met their needs. God, of course, eventually led them to freedom, and they, he kept them through that time of rebellion in the wilderness until finally he let them go into the promised land, minus Moses, who had sinned against God and had, had uh, shown himself. And God told him because of that, he wouldn't be able to and allowed to lead them into the promised land. And Joshua took over from there, and you know that story. But as it was with Moses and the Israelites, Satan is always at work. He's always introducing other thoughts rather than God's thought. He's always introducing another way of doing things that might would be more appealing to the flesh rather than appealing to the spiritual person who has been saved 
and knows Jesus as Lord and Savior. Can I tell you that when you are born again, Satan doesn't leave you alone. Before you were born again, he already had you in his grip. You were already doing the things that he would have you to do and nearly didn't even realize who was in control of your life until the Holy Spirit spoke to you and revealed that your life was not under the authority of a holy God and that you were a sinner because you had been following the dictates of the fallen man's heart that belongs to Satan and you realize that you were in need of forgiveness and you turn to God and ask him through Christ Jesus and the price that he paid on the cross in dying for our sins to forgive you and for him to come into your life and be the Lord of your life. And since that time, Satan has bombarded you to death. Well, you're still alive, so not to death. But may I assure you, he will bombard you all the way to death. He will tempt you. He will tell you things. He will introduce thoughts to you that will make you doubt where you are, that will make you doubt what you have received in Christ, that would make you doubt the Word of God and the way and the will of God for your life and would cause you to walk and live in a different way from what God would have you to do and how He would have you to walk. I want to share a little bit with you today as we think about this man Moses and what God called him to do and how he set him apart for work and how Satan would constantly lie to him through the Pharaoh. He would speak to him lies and try to get him to do something different from the will of God. Now, he was very careful, cunning, and conniving in everything that he said through the Pharaoh to Moses. But thank God, Moses had had a personal experience with the Holy God. He had heard God's voice. He had listened to God's call, and, his, and he responded to it. He gave himself over to do the will of God after he offered his excuses and, and how he wasn't able to do it. And God said to him, you don't have to be able. I am is with you. And I will meet your needs. I will instruct you what to do. I will give you the help that you need. I'll even give Aaron the privilege of serving by, beside you and being, being your spokesperson as you say you have a stammering tongue. I will meet every need that you have. I will bless you. I will instruct you. I will not ask you to make any commitment or decision that will be of your own making, of your own will, and for you to try to figure out things, I will give you instructions on how to live, how to lead, how to walk, and how to gain the victory. Can I tell you, as a child of God, God says the same thing to us today. He's called us unto himself. The Holy Spirit has spoken to each of us who are born again and we responded to the Holy Spirit of God as he called us out of the life that we were living, regardless of the work we were doing. Moses was a shepherd. God called him out of being a shepherd of sheep and called him to be a shepherd of people. And he calls us out of the things, and he gives us instructions. He gives us the power, and he even says to us, 
I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age. I will be with you every step of the way. And he says, when I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit, and he will indwell you. He will empower you. He will lead you. He will teach you. He will bring to remembrance to you all things that I've said, and he will instruct you in the way of living, the way that I've called you to live. You just have to surrender. Trust me and do what I tell you to do. That's what he said to Moses. You just trust me. Well, who will I tell them sent me? Tell them I am sent you. Well, I have a stammering tongue. I can't speak. I give you air and he'll speak for you. Well, I'm scared. I'll be with you. I'll give you the power. I will make sure that you have the ear of the Pharaoh. And so God used Moses. But may I say to you, God wants to use each of us. He wants to lead us. He wants to direct us. And he gives us some responsibility. But in all of these things, I want to share with you what I consider the, li the lies that Satan still uses today that he used to try to convince Moses and the people of Israel not to do what God told them to do. He says several things to Moses, but he gives him instructions on how he's to do it, when he's to do it, what he's to say, and how it's going to take place. He, Moses does not go into this thing blind. He does not go into this thing without knowing what the future is. God's told him what the future is, that he is going to use him to set his people free and to lead them to a land that God has promised their forefather Abraham, and they're going to go there and live in freedom and in abundance. He's already told them that. God has told us the very same thing. He calls us out of a life of spiritual poverty, and he calls us into a life of of spiritual milk and honey. He calls us into a life of blessings and joy and peace, even in the midst of all that we walk. He didn't call the Israelites out of the world. He left them in the world, but he had a great promise of them for freedom and a great promise of them of blessings for the future and a great promise of even a greater nation's, nation and a wonderful joy for the days ahead. The same promises he's made to us, he has made to them. But yet in every way, Satan offers a lie, a half-truth, if you would. And he's been doing that even from the Garden of Eden. What did he say to Eve? Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Well, she didn't know. She'd only heard it from, Ab from uh, Adam. And he has used that same ploy through the years to get God's people to walk in less blessings than they ought to have, to walk without the power and the strength that they ought to have, to walk without the joy and fulfillment that we ought to have by believing his lies. The first lie that Satan used on 
on Moses through the Pharaoh is, is there really a God? In chapter 5 and verse 2 of Exodus, he says, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and, and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Is there really a God? Did you believe some preacher's preaching and did you believe some myth that somebody told you was the truth and and you just just took that hook line and sinker, sinker and and swallowed it and just came into the church of of the Lord Jesus Christ you've just come to the church of your own will and and believe in those things is there really a God now we're all most of us if not all of us are born again we know the Lord is our Savior. We know the forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, from the pulpit to the back pew, there is not a one among us that has not been tempted with that same thought. I remember as a younger man, even after I surrendered to God's call to preach, then there'd be times I'd wonder, is this really real? Is this really the truth? Do I really know God in a personal way? Do I really know the Lord Jesus Christ? And you know, I could sit around and, and I could mull that in my mind and, and many do that and they reason it out in the flesh and reason it out in the world in which we live and they can come to the understanding, well, you know, I can't know this is real. I can't know this is the truth. Can I tell you, we don't know of the flesh that is truth we know what is truth by the spiritual man that has been born of the Holy Spirit of God and he indwells us and he gives us assurance of our salvation that God is who God says he is, that God saves us and he saves us for eternity and he lives in us. We have to walk by faith rather than by sight. But Satan still says, you really believe all this? As the Holy Spirit convicts of sin and of the righteousness of Jesus to call that individual into repentance, Satan comes up with this first lie. He can show you every reason in the world not to believe God. Has God really said that? What he's saying to Moses, are you hearing things, Moses? Are you, you really think you heard God speak? God, I, Moses, I just want you to consider that now. You're saying that you're out in the field taking care of your father-in-law's sheep, and you see this bush burning, and it doesn't burn up, and it just keeps burning, and then you hear this voice coming from a bush, and he said he was God, and you believe that? Moses, have you lost your marbles? Have you gone crazy? You must have just eaten something that didn't agree with you the night before. You must just have heartburn. You, you must be just have a, a, this a figment of your imagination. Did God really say, did you hear, really hear God speak? Who is God anyway? He uses the same lies today. When you... Have someone to testify to you of the power of God working in their lives? 
I'm telling you, even in your mature Christian walk, when someone gives a a, a testimony and you're not at that moment really walking in the Spirit, you're really in the flesh, and they begin to talk about the power and the awesomeness and the blessings of God and how He's working in their lives and who He's done for them, I'm telling you, you listen with a skeptical ear. You listen with a doubtful ear. You hear what they have to say. You receive it from them that they really believe that. It must be right for them. But you don't get caught up in what God's saying to you. I remember the song that we used to sing when I was a little boy. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others He'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. You see, God doesn't hide himself from us. God says, I have painted a picture in creation that speaks to you that I am God. I have placed innately, he says, in the heart of every individual that I am God. And then Paul writes, Therefore, O man, thou art without excuse. Without excuse. Why? Because all wise, all powerful, all knowing God has placed in the heart of every individual in the life of the lost man that he is God. And he says, when you see all that's been created, and you fall for these myths and all these things that come about as how the world came into being and how life has evolved and all that. He says, you have fallen for that, and I've already given you proof through what I put in existence and what I put in your own heart and life that I am God. But Satan still uses the lie, or you really think God is speaking to your heart. He still does that today in the life of Christians. God moves on your heart that he has a work for you to do. God moves on your heart when you least expect it and and, and you're in the midst of maybe studying the scripture or maybe having your daily prayer or in a worship service such as this or you're listening to a Christian song on the radio, I hope or you're listening to a preacher sometimes other than your pastor, and God speaks to you about something, and you listen to that, and it really moves you, and and you realize that it's a message from God to your heart and to your life, but as soon as the moment's over, you dismiss it, you do not act upon it, you do not grow with it, you do not let God lead you and develop you and mature you and for you to become the man or the woman or young person or child that God wants you to be, and you've believed the lie of Satan who says, did God really say that? Let me tell you, God really has said what is in his word. It is truth without error. It is absolutely infallible word of God. And when you read his scriptures, he's speaking to your heart and to mine. When, he's, when you listen to his word and you hear a preacher of the word or a Sunday school teacher or a dear friend who has grown in the Lord or a, a parent who has matured in the Lord or a grandparent and you hear them talk about the blessings of God 
and the awesome privilege of knowing him and how he's led them, how he's blessed them, and what he wants to do in your life. Listen, God really has done that. God really does move in those kind of ways, and you can believe him and dismiss the lie of Satan and follow him wholly. As a man, as a woman, as a child, as a young person, as a teenager, you can follow him wholly knowing that he is absolutely God and his word is truth and he does have a plan and a purpose for your life. Have you ever come across somebody and maybe you've been there in your own life where you wonder, does God really have a purpose for me? Is there really a purpose for my existence? I'm telling you what, I've, I've run across a lot of folks like that in my ministry. Most of the time we call them suicidal. And that is a real situation to be in. There's nothing to play with. If you ever hear anybody talk about that, you take it seriously. You help get them to help. You get them to a pastor. You get them to a medical facility. You help them. It is a state of mind where Satan has lied to an individual that they are worthless, that they have no purpose, that there's no reason to keep on. And let me tell you what, that's true spiritually in the lives of a lot of Christians, that Satan has lied and you believed him, that God doesn't really have a purpose for you. He really doesn't have a plan for you. And that is a lie from Satan. And we need to turn our back on his, his lie. Let me tell you the second lie he often offers. Well, you can serve God, but enjoy what you want to do. You, you can believe God if you want to, but, but you, you don't have to do all those things of giving everything over to him. You, you, you don't have to walk fully. You don't have to go to church all the time. My gracious, that, that's, that's for your grandparents. I am one. But let me tell you what. I haven't always been a grandfather. I haven't always been a father. I haven't always been a married man with a wife. Guess what? I once was a teenager. Some of you looking at me like, really? You were a teenager? Yep. I was a teenager. I like to go out on Friday and Saturday night too. I enjoyed doing a lot of things that probably should not have done. And I was not a bad boy. Well, don't ask my friends that. But, you know, I haven't always been an older man. But I want to tell you, in the times of my life of disobedience, are the most bitterly despised moments of my life for me. 
I find no pleasure in talking about my time of disobedience. I'm not going to. I'm not going to parade my disobedience. I'm not going to parade my waywardness before the people of God. I'm not going to, I'm not going to share that with my grandboys. I'm not going to talk about the times when I was not walking with God. But there have been. And I'm ashamed of them. I'm absolutely ashamed. I despise those mistakes that I've made. I despise the time when I got caught up in some things as a young airman in the Air Force. I despise those things. I would never want to bring any attention or glory or glamorize those things. They are despicable. They are hated by me as they are hated by God. God says he has called us out of this world. He calls us to be a separate people. And that just doesn't mean for the old preacher. A separate people. He's called you to be separate from the world. To live as a child of God. Is that without error? Absolutely not. Is it without mistake, the same word as error? No, it's not without mistake. Is it without you absolutely making the choice to do that, which is not what God would have you to do? No, there are going to be times when we fail. That is scriptural. We understand that. We still, if we are saved, we are born spiritually of God and we have a new life, a spiritual life, eternal life that is in us, in Christ Jesus, but we still deal with the old man, the flesh. We still are alive. I still have flesh and blood. I still have pain. I'm still a living body walking here, a one that is a living spiritual person because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now I have a spiritual man and a carnal man. And I have to make the choice. Is the carnal man going to be in control? Or is the spiritual man going to be in control? How does the spiritual man become in control? How does the carnal man yield to the spiritual man? Through none other than the Holy Spirit of God working, the power of God working in our lives, and us giving over to what he'd have us to do. But Satan says to Moses, you don't have to go to another you can stay right here. You, you can still be slaves. You can still live right here in Egypt and offer your sacrifices. You can go on and worship your God here if you want to. Let me tell you what Moses said to him in essence. And the, this takes place in the 8th chapter of Exodus. In essence, Moses said, no, I can't. God has called me to be separated. God has called my people from out of this place. He's called us unto himself. He has a purpose for this people of the Israelites. He has a purpose for me as their leader. He has a plan for us. He has given us a mission. And he is our 
commander-in-chief. He is the one who is in control. We will do what God says to do. We're going to follow him. We're going to go to the land he's told us to go to. We're going to get three days away from here, and we're going to offer our sacrifices to God. We're going to do that as he's told us to. We can't do it here. We can't live in the world. We can't live in Egypt and serve God. He's called us to another place. I didn't mean to get so preachy. Listen to me. When God spoke to your heart as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult, as a middle-aged adult, and then as an old adult, he didn't say, well, you can... You can live with me part of the time and live in the world the rest of the time. You can be of this world and you can be of the spiritual person of God. You can live in the way of Satan and live in my way at the same time. Moses said, we're going with God. We're going to do what God's called us to do. And he's telling you, Moses, let my people go. He defied the authority of the world over him. He refused the command of the Egyptian Pharaoh. You are not my God. You are not in control of me or my people. You will let God's people go. We get to the New Testament. What does the word tell us? resist the devil and what will happen he will flee from you you see you have that authority as God called Moses he's called you as God gave Moses leadership in his life he's given you leadership in your life as God told Moses what his plan was. God has told you what your plan, his plan for you is, and it's right through the New Testament. You can read it every day. You can discover something new every day of God's plan for your life, his will for you, and his blessings that he wants to pour into your life. It is all there in simply reading and learning the word of God. You get your Bible. You turn to the New Testament. You start with the letters of Paul, if you would. If you you really want to start somewhere that will charge you fire, Start in the little book of 1 John and then go to 2nd and 3rd John and then go back to the Gospels and then come and look at what Paul has to say. And you see what God's done for you. You see God's plan for you. You see what he wants you to be and how he promises you can be that. And then you can go back to the writings of the Apostle Paul and you can find out how that's done in a practical way day in 
and day out. Satan will say, you can still stay where you are, live like you want to, and serve God. One more thing I want to talk to you about today. The third lie of Satan that we find in this little passage through the fifth, fifth through the tenth chapter of Exodus. Leave the young people out of it. Listen to what he said. Let the men go. Let them serve the Lord. So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God. Who are the ones that are going? And Moses said, We are all going to go. Our young and our old, with our sons, with our daughters, with our flocks, our herds, we will go. But we must do what God told us to do. Then Pharaoh said to them, The Lord had better be with you if I were to let you and your little ones go. Beware. You're not going to make it. There's evil ahead of you. Not so. You're not going to do it. You and the men can go and serve the Lord. You don't involve the young people in it. Let me tell you how Satan says it in the vernacular. Oh, teenagers will be teenagers. You know what that is? It is a lot of hell. A saved teenager ought to be a saved teenager. A young person that has met Jesus as Lord and Savior has been called to the life of fellowship and the life of devotion and obedience, just like Grandma Moses. All of us who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ have been called into a life, listen to what Peter says, to be a separate people. And he uses a little word, I have a little fun with it, but he uses a little word that we don't like to be known as. You know, have you ever said anything about this person that, that you know that she's sort of peculiar? You ever heard that? She's peculiar. You know what that means? She's strange. She doesn't think like we think. She really is different. Listen to what Peter says. Know you are a peculiar people. Peculiar. You know, if I understand that, the world ought to see us as peculiar. Regardless of our age. And a young person, whether 
They're a cheerleader or a basketball player or whatever. Play in the band. They are to be a peculiar individual. Not peculiar that they're so strange that they walk funny. They're not supposed to be so peculiar that they become a laughing stock because they look like they can't chew gum and walk at the same time. I mean, there are some that can't, but be one of them. But he calls us to be different. To be different. Let me tell you something my three children understood coming up and all through their teenage lives, and they still do it today. Don't you tell your daddy everybody else's business. That doesn't hold water. Don't you come up with a lame reason because everybody else was doing it, never because everybody else wanted to go there. Everybody else did this. Listen, you're not everybody else. You're a child of God. You're born again. You've asked Jesus to come into your life and to be your Savior, regardless of your age. And it is a lie out of hell that says, let youth be youth. Yeah, they ought to be young. They ought to have a good time. They, they, they're not going to be mature in their actions. They, they, you know, they're going to, the young girls, some of the girls, they're going to be so giggly. Sorry, girls. Teenage boy, he's going to walk around and strut like he's the best athlete in the world. You know what I'm talking about? That's part of growing up. But a lifestyle, listen to me, a lifestyle of walking with Jesus is no different for Brother Jack than it is for Tristan. No different. The lifestyle he's called us to live is a life of obedience, trust, and faith every day. Will we fail? Yes. Will we make mistakes? Yes. Will we choose sometimes the wrong things? Yes, we will. But we have a, an advocate before the Father who's willing to plead our case, if we but come before him and say, Lord, I blew it today. Lord, I really made the wrong choice today. Lord, I really didn't do what you would have me to do. Would you forgive me? And you know what his immediate response is? You're forgiven. You're forgiven. I died for that on the cross. It's already paid for. And as Jesus said, go and don't do it again. Every one of us is called to a life of faithfulness. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. We're to walk in the Spirit regardless of our maturity in the flesh.
Fair enough? You can do it like this. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us in your word that you have a plan for us and you are powerful and able to fulfill that plan in each of our lives. Help us to walk seriously. Help us to walk circumspectly, simply obediently in your Holy Spirit. Lord, give us a love for your word. Help us to read it every day and let you speak to our hearts and teach us how we're to walk, how we're to live. And may we know it is absolutely true without error. May we trust you. May we obey you. May we follow you. In Jesus' name.